morning, everybody. It is great to see you today. Hope you're having a great day. We are jumping right into our series here today. And uh, uh, just wanted to remind you this coming Wednesday, first Wednesday is our time of, of worship and prayer. Uh, let me encourage you. It's a step deeper than what we do on Sunday mornings. It's a time when we try to uh, align ourselves with God through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the gifts of the Spirit and time of prayer. So join us on this coming Wednesday at seven o'clock for one hour, a time of worship, a time of going a little deeper with God. But um, today we're continuing on our series of Uncommon, which is about looking to incorporate how God wants us to live our lives in an uncommon fashion, as opposed to living the common way of living life that we have been doing for such a long time. We argue in a very common way. We have problems in a common way. We try to solve them in a common way, and we just get caught up in this cycle. But God wants us to uh, begin to use his status quo for our lives, living with an uncommon compassion, an uncommon character, and uncommon courage in our life. So today is going to be awesome, absolutely awesome. Every, every sermon, you know, as God lays them on my heart, as I put them together, I'm, I'm, I always enter into it. It's like, I think this is going to be the best one of all of them. And so I've been, every week, because I, there is no sermon that I've learned more from writing than one that I'm about to do, okay? Most of the time, pastors will write sermons that you need to learn. Um, this one, I, I had to learn this one, and it just kind of blew my mind. That's why I think it's the best one, because it really got into me the most. But it's about uncommon relationships. God wants us to have relationships and the quality of those relationships to be different than what we normally experience. So today I'm gonna to read out of a passage of scripture that uh, I will tell you, I have never seen the scripture this way before. I love the scripture, study the scriptures. I mean, I've been teaching the scriptures for a long time. Uh, I'm a student of it. I get into it all. And sometimes I'll come upon a passage and I'm like, oh, I, I think I might've missed that one or I didn't understand really what it was about. I mean, so let me just tell you, if you're looking for a church, do not go to a church where a pa the pastor is not still learning or the leadership of the church. Everybody has to be learners, lovers, and leaders in their relationship with God and in the world around them. It's, it's, it's kind of a prerequisite that you gotta constantly be growing. So I looked at this particular verse and I was blown away because um, it's so important on the issue of uncommon relationships. So let me read to you. Oh yeah, by the way, we're gonna talk about balloons a lot. Balloons are, balloons are going to be in this today and we're gonna be talking about particularly your balloon. So that will all make sense in a, in, in a second. So let me read you this verse. Romans 12:1 says this. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay, so change only happens as we present ourselves to God to be changed upon, to, to allow him to do a, a work in us. Then he goes into this part. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Got it, okay? 
And, and we look at that, and we've used this verse a lot at Crosstown because it's a real big one. Uh, and we, we look at it and we think about it, about being transformed in the renewal of your mind and not being conformed to this world. And we tend to put it in the context of cultural pressures, right? About, you know, watch what you're watching on TV. Uh, be transformed in your mind and don't be conformed to social media or to substance abuse or uh, porn or whatever we see in the movies. And, and I think you would be right in interpreting that way. And also, I don't think we totally like, screwed it up uh, all these years, but that would be one way to interpret it. Um, but in the setting that it's written, in the context of the other verses that follow it, when he begins to talk about not conforming to this world and being transformed in our minds, uh, he explains what he's talking about, that whole area about your brain, about your mind and your way of thinking that needs to change. Uh, listen to his next line. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you to not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So Paul immediately, he challenges everybody about, do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in the very next line, he gives us the context of it. It's about how you think about you. And I was just like, wait a minute, it's not what I think about porn. It's not what I think about uh, politics. It's not about what I think about. It's like, it's like, no, be transformed in the renewing of your mind about how you think about you. And the reason why is because the number one thing that gets in the way of living in uncommon relationships is an overinflated balloon, an overinflated concept of yourself. And I'm just like, wow. See, I think the world has a problem and Paul's saying, hey, I think the problem is elsewhere. He says, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Nothing gets in the way of uncommon relationships that God wants you to have more than thinking wrongly about yourself. You know, it's, I always thought it was, I always thought you had the problem. I mean, look at you. I mean, of course you, you're the problem. You're my problem, you know? Or, and, and you may say, well, it's the blacks that are our problem. It's the whites that are our problem. Or it's the Republicans or the, or it's the, the left-wingers that are our problem. We always offload the problem. And the apostle Paul says, no, I want you to be transformed in the renewing of your mind. I want you to be uncommon. I want you to start with the problem is, starts with you. I love it, Paul said it earlier, he said, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you are. And he's like, hey, listen, he says, I'm I'm telling you this out of the grace that's been afforded me. Because Paul realized, I was the guy riding around on the horse killing people because they didn't believe what I believed. He said, and based upon the grace that God gave me, I'm telling you, he'll give it to you too, but you need to stop thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. Nothing will get in the way of a great marriage, great relationships with children, great 
future relationships, work relationships, than you thinking wrong about you. Overinflated self-opinions remove all the air from everyone else's balloon. It just sucks the air out of everybody else's balloon. So let me just show you some of these overinflateds. Overinflation of your position. You know, your position in life, who you are. You're the dad, you're the mom, uh, you're the pastor, you're the boss. You know, that could be your position. You're the teacher. Overinflated inflation of your empowerment. That would be your wealth, your intellect, your schooling, or whatever it is. It's like, no, you know, my balloon rises because of all this over all the other balloons. And I have an overinflated uh, perception of my empowerment. Overinflation of your successes, what you've accomplished, that that somehow rises, raises your balloon so that you can think about people the, uh, a wrong way. Here's another one, an overinflation of self-loathing. I have, I have done this a lot. Um, and God showed me that self-loathing is, is almost as prideful as thinking you're better than everyone else. Thinking you're worse than everybody else is not humility. It's an overinflated perception of yourself. It's like, oh my goodness, I always thought it was kind of like, like a healthier version, you know, to not really like yourself, to really loathe yourself. And, and it's like, no, you're filling your balloon by thinking you're worse than everybody else. Self-pity is another form of overinflated self-opinion, that you're constantly pitying yourself. My life sucks. Nothing's gonna go good for me. I am the worst. I have the worst. And it's like, that sounds like a good place to be, at least in the Christian world, self-mortification. And, and Paul's like, no, I need you to think rightly about yourself with sober judgment. So the problem is, is some of us are overinflating our problems, overinflating our failures or our insecurities. So if you wanna change how you get along with the world, change your thoughts about you is what Paul is saying. So he's gonna go into this heavily. I mean, for our sake, he, he needs to kind of like talk to us about where does, what does this look like? Uh, so I'm gonna continue in this Romans 12, Again, it's another part of the, the Bible that I have gotten wrong. I'm not wrong like if I taught it to you last year, it's not like I sent you to hell because I got it wrong, kind of wrong. It was just like maybe, yeah, I got it right, but I didn't get it all the way right, okay? But this can be a part of the passage where if you're a student of scripture, you've kind of, you tend to classify it. You know, like the titles in your Bible are not really there. Somebody read Romans 12 and then put at the top, uh, Paul talks about, about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, well, somebody read it and that's what they got out of it and they put it on there. That's not in the original text. So a lot of times people will think about this next part that Paul's reading is about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's gonna talk about how people have gifts. Well, what he's really gonna be talking about, because that's a wrong interpretation based upon context, he's gonna talk about people who have strengths that use them in a common way that need to start using in them in an uncommon way. It's like, I mean, and it was a mind blow for me. Let me read it to you and, and I'll just kind of break it out. He says, for as in one body, 
we have many members and the members do not have the same function. So we, though our many are one body in Christ, individually members one of another. Okay, um, excuse me, let me just modify this thing a little bit. It's messing with my cheek. My cheeks have grown a little bit. Um, It's called barbecue, all right? Uh, Is that okay? Can you hear me now? All right. Um, So let's look at this phrase. Uh, This phrase is individually members of one another. That's really an interesting phrase. I mean, if you stare at it long enough, it's kind of weird. We're individually members of one another. It's like one thing, but it's broken down into a couple things that don't seem to be really compatible. It's kind of like a square in a circle. You know, if you look at the mathematical definition of a square and you look at the mathematical definition of a circle, it would be hard to figure out how do I reconcile these two different objects together. Well, in my little brain, this is how I think about it. In order to reconcile a circle and a square, you have got to add a third dimension. When you take a circle and you take another circle and you take a square and you wrap it around the circle, you produce a new kind of object in the third dimension. It's called a cylinder. What the Apostle Paul is saying, it's not just about the individual, and it's not just about the collective. It's about when the individual and the collective are combined together, they become a container of wisdom, love, truth, and compassion. They become, they're individually members of one another. We're living in a society that's polarized on two concepts. One, it's all about the individual, you call me what I want to be called. It's like, it's, it's hyper-individual. Then we have another part of society that's making it very collective. It's like, this group is wrong, this group is right. And so we've got, we've got you know, hating on certain groups, and then we got individuals demanding the whole group to call them something and all this. Like, well, what is that? Well, it's a disintegration of a biblical concept. We're really individually members of one another. We have, uh, did you know that university, it's called the university because it's u- principles of unity and diversity that are being taught? That's why they call it a university. And so the body of Christ is unity and diversity functioning together, bringing about a, 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 a universe of the mind of God. And so that's what he's saying. He's like, when you get hyper-individual, where we are right now in our culture, you lose the universe. You think you're saving you, but you're not. You're losing everybody else in the, in the middle of this overinflated thinking about yourself. So Paul goes into it because, you know, yeah, you can struggle with porn. And yeah, you could be messing up on social media. I'll tell you what, you mess up in your own head about you, you mess up everything. So Paul goes on and says this, uh, and he begins to talk about individual strengths and giftings, uh, but using them in the right way or maybe not using them in the right way. Paul says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, meaning that we're not all the same, okay? We are equal in dignity, but let's be honest. We're, have you ever seen me clap during the worship songs? I cannot keep rhythm, Okay, I have no rhythm at all. I was really good playing computer games when they first came out, my generation. 
You know, that was our contribution to humanity. Was with the, our Atari and all the other stuff that came out, real good as long as it was one joystick and one fire button. Now we got PlayStation and I got this button, the U button, the K button, the X button, the Y button. I'm out. I'm at, there's too many buttons being pushed. I don't have it. Some of us are very logical. Some of us are very intuitive. Some of us are very artistic. Some of us are very creative. Some of us are very structured. And the apostle Paul says, hey, listen, we're different. Okay, so stop trying to pretend we're not. We're different and, and, and we all got gifts. But sometimes we exalt our gift over everybody else. We think too highly of what we can do and what all the rest of them can't do. So the Apostle Paul is like, no, I need this to integrate. And so he's not pretending there aren't some people who don't have gifts. He's like, everybody's got gifts, but they're not the same. So he goes into it. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, in service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, I know you just kind of hear all that. It's like, yeah, what's the point? But I want you to see he talks about using them in an uncommon way, using your strength in an uncommon way because everybody's got strengths. He says, if your gift is service, you have the ability to organize things and bring them together and structure them and administrate, serve with it. It's like, yeah, so you're real good at serving. You're real good at organizing. You're really good at structuring. He goes, well then, that's common, and that's your gift. But what's uncommon is when you take that serving ability and you serve with it. That's uncommon. Exhorting. It's like the person who has the ability to put a logical thought together and, and, and be able to put a, a real good structure of, 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 of theory and all this other stuff. He's like, yeah, but I want you to use it for exhortation, building up. So you got a strength. That's cool. That's common. What's uncommon is if you use that strength to lift up somebody else's balloon. That's not common. Oh, I love this one. Contributing to one that has the gift of contributing. Um, well, that's great. Contributing is good. But uh, he says with generosity, because you can contribute, you can give, and you can do stuff and contribute to a cause. But he says, yeah, the people do, that's common. What, what is uncommon is to do it generously. You know, we just kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll give that. And Paul's like, okay, well, that's, I just want to let you know, contributing, you may think real well of yourself. You're really puffed up because you, you give. He said, but are you giving out of a generous heart? That's uncommon. That's different. I love this one particularly. Leading. He says, if you got the gift of leading, that's cool. He said, but I want you to lead with zeal. With zeal. And what this word means is that you're glad to do it. You know, if, if you're a leader at work, if you're a boss, you know, you're going, you can go to work and you go like, yeah, I'm the boss. There are a bunch of idiots working for me, a bunch of bozos. You know, yes, I was born in the 50s. A bunch of bozos working for me, a bunch of schmucks. And it's like, yeah, okay, I got these guys. And Paul's like, okay, yeah, so you're in charge. But I want you to lead with zeal. 
I want you to be glad to lead. I want, you to, I want there to be like, you know, when you go to work, you bring zeal to work. Excitement, you bring a sense of joyfulness to the process. You're not just there, I'm their boss. I'm their dad. Those are my kids. That's my wife. And he's like, no, no, I want you to be uncommon. I want you to get excited about this. You know what? You know, you think I like, sometimes I don't like doing this job. You know, I know you guys think that, oh, you were just born to like people. I don't like most people. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm not going to hurt you, but I don't actually like you, you know? I want to lead you, but I just want you to do what I tell you to do. That's the way, that's the way like, most guys like me are. It's like, just do what I told you to do. I'm a Bill Belichick kind of guy. Do your job. But is that, is that the only way it can be done? Paul's like, no, I need you to change your Bill, Belichick men, uh, mentality. I need you to lead, but I want you to lead with excitement. I want you to lead with vision for their lives about what can happen. He's like, that's different. That's different. Um, I want you to have uh, mercy with cheerfulness. See, this is another one I can do real well. I'll have mercy with people. And I'll be like, if you need help, that's fine. But I'm not all cheerful about being merciful. I mean, listen, it doesn't even sound Hebrew. I mean, in Hebrew, you have words like the kabod, shabak, hezekiah, jacobed. And now we got the word cheerful. I mean, it just sounds too like, this is why I've had a problem with not a theological problem, but a personality problem with the TV show, The Chosen. Because that Jesus is just way too happy. He's too cheerful. I mean, if I'm the son of God and I'm about to die for the sins of the world, you're gonna know it, you know? I've been in front of this stove all day watching your kids, you know? I mean, it's kind of like I would make you know what I have suffered on your behalf. But yet the Jesus and the chosen, he's all, he's all like, you know, kicking a soccer ball and he's all cheerful and he's, he's loving on people. And that's uncommon. We think mercy is enough. Tithing, yeah, I'll just flip them and put in my tithe. Oh, I'll flip in my tithe as long as I get a tax break. Oh, that's a cheerful giver right there. Okay, and so, but he's, he's just like, no, I want you to do mercy with cheerfulness. It's not enough just to be Christian. It's like, I want, you to, I want you to be cheerful with the people. He continues to do this common, you, you've all got gifts, you've all got talents, you've all got abilities, but, he, but you're maybe using them in a very common way. And, and God wants you to stop thinking about yourself just because you got that gift. He's like, hey, just because you're the pastor, just because you can teach, just because you're making money, just because you give money, you know, ah, 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 that's common. Um, I'm looking for uncommon. So he continues. Let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. It's like, why not just love? Why not just say love one another? Because you know what? We do love one another, but we don't genuinely love one another. Uh, have you ever told somebody I love you for Christ's sake? You know, it's like, you might, you might as well have just told me you hate me. You know, um, 
Yeah, you go up to somebody and say, hey, I just want to let you know I forgive you for something you did to me 10 years ago. And it's like, that sounds real Christian, but it's not really. I mean, so we love, let love be genuine. Here's what I think about the word genuine as I looked it up. It was kind of like, uh, it's the sense of adding a richness to it. Let love be rich. I, I had dinner with a couple and, you know, they invited us over for steaks and steaks would have been good enough, wouldn't it? You know, any red piece of meat's going to be fine in my category. I mean, you could have just rolled it out in a dog bowl and, uh, you know, and I would have been happy with it. But what they did is they got this steak, Wagyu, Wabu. What am I doing? Wagyu? Yeah, I don't get out much. Uh, but uh, So I, this Wagyu, it's like, let me just tell you, you got your $7 a pound steak, and then you got your $35 pound steak. Well, they decided to buy us those steaks. So it's like, wow. That, I mean, it's, it's like butter. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like butter. But th- that would have been good enough, but they decided to caramelize it with, with cocoa, okay, and sear it in cocoa. And then they created this, is it called a ruse? Ruse? A ruse? Uh, please excuse me. I, 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 I just watch football. That's all I watch, okay? So they created this thing, and they coated it, and it had wine in it, and it had chocolate in it. So they poured this syrup that had chocolate on these steaks, and then I, you know, cut into it. And there might have been other things at the meal. I don't remember what they were, but I just... <laughs> And I ate it, and all of a sudden, there was just like, Susan, it was like. I mean, I started speaking in a nun-nun tongue. I mean, I was having a Pentecostal moment over a piece of beef. You know why? Because they didn't just hand me the meat. They added richness to it. It's not just enough for us to say, well, I love you. It's like, okay, how about pouring some richness into it, some depth into it, some, you know, something that is, um, I don't know, that adds flavor to it. Because Paul, they were loving each other, and it's like, yeah, you can be stoic and love somebody. He's like, yeah, but I need you to stop thinking so highly of yourself. I need you to kind of like add some flavor to it. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. And I believe in context, it could be abhor what is evil in relationships. So uncommon relationships abhor gossip, jealousy, and unresolved anger. They abhor it. It, it, And you need to think of this as abhorring it. Don't miss this word. This is not um, uh, stop doing what's evil or try not to be evil or, hey, you know, one out of five. This is abhor what is evil. Stop holding on to your anger. Abhor it. Abhor jealousy. Abhor gossip in your life. Get over yourself. I mean, he's really like, you guys think way too much about you and about your own feelings. Um, Okay, let me go on a little bit further. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. Okay, I am going to go off the rails on this one. uh, And... uh, Love one another, brother, affection. Here's the problem I have with this one. He already told us to love, be genuine. It's like, why are you repeating love again? He repeats it like three times. It's because of how love is done. That's uncommon. You know, because um, my dad told me for most of my life, told me he loved me. And the way he told me he loved me, you got a meal on the table. I sent you to that ritzy private school. You know, I put a roof over your head. 
And it's like, okay, that's, thanks, Dad. Common. The Apostle Paul says, no, I, Dads, I need you to be uncommon. I want you to love with this brotherly, I want you to have affection. I get nervous with affection. I don't do affection. My generation, at least speak that part of it that where I was growing up in the Boston area, we didn't do affection. If you were, if you were being affectionate with a guy, you either punched him in the shoulder or gave him a wedgie. I mean, that was affection. You know why? And I'll tell you why. It's because if guys hug guys, then we used to call each other homos. I was raised in a generation that a man who shows affection to a man must be gay. And none of us wanted to be gay or thought less of, of than being John Wayne or Clint Eastwood, you know? So men, we didn't hug. I didn't go to churches that hug. I shouldn't have to, shouldn't have to give you a compliment. You know, you should be able to, if you're gonna need me to love you in order for you to serve the Lord, well then what are you gonna do when I'm dead? So you better do it without me, brother. It's like, you weirdo. It's like, no, love each other with affection. And I don't know what affection is for you. I'm telling you, it gets me scared. Matter of fact, we had a meeting after the first service after I had this. I had a meeting with a bunch of guys planning the men's retreat that's coming up. You can still sign up for it. And they got me in a circle, and then they all just jumped on me and hugged me. I came out of it in the fetal position. <laughs> I was like, what just happened to me? You know? And it's like, why? Because I don't know how to show affection. And Paul says, yeah, I like you guys loving each other, but how get an affection? The problem with this one is, is because some of us have been abused sexually and it has redefined how we operate with other people. Because we see the next person that hugs us as an abuser or the next person that touches our shoulder as an abuser. All I can say to that is, is that you really need to talk to the Lord about that one because you cannot let your level of loving be dictated by somebody else's dysfunction against you, okay? You can't, you can't let somebody's weirdo and strangeism affect your normalism moving forward in your life. And that's what I had to, had to deal with, is um, and that, you know, I just want to walk past you, and you guys all know if I preach a good sermon, I love you, you know? I don't want to stop and talk to you. Not because you're not you're talk worthy. I'm scared of half of you. I'm insecure. I get all like people will give me a compliment after the service and be like your sermon. They'll be like, Pastor Paul, I just want to let you. And, and the staff sees it. They'll see me start going. <laughs> and it's like, what's wrong? It's like I'll get emails with compliments in them, and I'm reading the email to somebody else to tell them we did a good job. Any part that has a compliment towards me in it, I skip over it in the email. Why? Because it makes me feel weird. Because it's affectionate. I don't think I'm the only one that's having a problem with this. I, I think, um, and it's so much so the Apostle Paul put it in here. Love one another. Oh yeah, with affection. Brotherly affection. Moving on. Outdo one another in showing honor. Inflate someone else's balloon. Inflate somebody else's balloon. We're in a culture right now um, oh, I heard some doofus. Uh, I'm sorry, that's not a very good thing, but I, it, was, it, was on, uh, it was on Instagram, and they're not real people. So um, this guy was talking about, 
He was like really, really hardcore. He was like, I just want to let you know I'm not like other morons. He said, like, I, uh, um, I, I do three days in one day. The first, the first like uh, eight hours of my day, that's one day. And then I live that, and then I'm finished that day, and then I, then I start the next day. And he actually has this clock beginning the next day. And they said, and then he, he has the third day, and he's like about getting ahead. And, and be, said, the reason why I'm beating you is that when you're living one day, I'm living three days. That's why I'm three days ahead of you. And I'm just like, I was like, man, I wish I could have those four days back just listening to this guy. I mean, it was like, yeah, that's the way you need to cut your day up if you are trying to, if you're trying to outdo one another, if you're trying to make your balloon be inflated, that's the way you live your life. Otherwise, do something uncommon. Start showing honor into other people. Or this way, um, uh, pave the way for others to feel good about themselves and about uh, the way that God wants them to feel. Help pave the way for other people to succeed. Stop sucking the air out of somebody else's balloon. But we do it because if their balloon gets too big, what about me? And so the Apostle Paul says, no, I want you to outdo one another. He continues. I mean, I'm telling you, this is what he was talking about being transformed in our minds. I mean, he's hammering it. He says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Well, that's a lot of old English language right there. Do not be slothful in zeal. Two words we don't use a lot. What does he mean? Don't be late on your cues. Don't be late on your cues. Just as an actor knows when to walk in and speak their part, he's saying, don't be late on, on your, your, uh, your part. It's like, um, for me, it was like, get off the couch fast as soon as she gets home. Not so that she won't catch you that you've been on the couch. But it's like, hey, your wife comes home, what's the cue? What's the cue? Uncommon cue? Stop whatever you're doing and go see if she needs packages taken out of the back of the car. Stop whatever you're doing, and if she's coming up the front stairs, open up the door, there's my sweetheart. And it's like, and Paul's saying, don't be late on your cues with your children. Don't be late speaking encouragement into their lives. Don't be late on that cue with them. He continues further. He says, contribute to the needs of the saints. Stop looking for what you get out of it and give into the needs of other people. I love this one. This is like my favorite because it makes me feel bad about myself. Uh, no, no, but it, it challenges me. Uh, I don't mind being challenged. I, I don't because it is the potential of change. So I love this one. He says, seek to show hospitality. I will show you hospitality. If you show up at my door and ring my doorbell, I'll be like, hey, dude, hey, you want to come in? No problem. But I won't invite you to my door. If you're there, I'll be hospitable to you. I won't seek to bring you to my door. Totally big difference, isn't there? And so what Paul is saying here is... Um, be forward thinking, seeking to create non 
hostile spaces for people to enter. Seek it. Create spaces for that. Think about that. It's like, how am I going to get them to my front door? What am I going to have to do to get them to come? It looks like I'm going to have to buy that steak. I'm going to have to kind of cover it with some chocolate. And then sorry, I, and Paul says, listen, instead of like, hey, we should get together sometime. How many times have you heard that? Hey, yeah, you got, you, we should get together. How often do we get together? We don't. We all like the idea of somebody at our front door, but not all of us take the time to seek, to pave and to arrange for that moment to happen. And Paul says like, no, that's what you, you need to do. Dads, um, stop waiting on your job to give you time to be with your children. When I have more time, this says, no, you seek to make the time happen. You're in charge of that. That's uncommon. Okay, I'm, I'm racing through this. This could have been a whole series, but let me just get through it. Um, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Uh, you guys can figure that out on your own. Um, uh, let, let, get, let me get into this one. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. This is really good because it means it's not about your feelings all the time. Well, what about me? How does that make me feel? The Apostle Paul says that's common. We got a society of people who are trying to reorganize the rest of society so that society can make them feel good about themselves. The Apostle Paul is like, bump your feelings. Stop thinking so highly of yourself. I want you to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who are weeping. And here's the, really, the real test of this, is celebrate someone else's win even if you're not winning. Even if you're not winning. See, we normally do uh, kind of like, as long as, hey, you got a new car? Yeah, well, did you get the uh, heated seats? Yeah, well, no, mine's this, but I went with the uh, four by, uh, the uh, uh, four cylinder with the turbo, and well, I went with the eight, eight, eight cylinder, and as long as it kind of all equals out, we will kind of celebrate each other, you know? As long as everybody's getting some, and it's all just kind of equals out, we'll celebrate each other. But according to Paul, it's rejoicing with those who rejoice. They got a new house. They invited you to come over and see it. I don't give a rip about the daggum house. I don't get, I care about those people though, because they're rejoicing. So if they're happy about it, I'm gonna go over there and be happy about it. Likewise, if they're crying in their basement because life has gone wrong, I'm called to go over there and cry in their basement with them. It's like, that's uncommon. We usually only rejoice as long as, as long as I've gotten mine, then I'll be happy about you getting yours. I love, this. I, I actually do this part really well. I do the rejoicing with other people who rejoice. I mean, I got people that I know that all of a sudden will get like a, a bonus, you know, for their job. It's like, you get bonus for doing your job? It's like, yeah, you get bonus for doing your job. And it's equivalent to like five years of my salary. You know, what do I do when somebody, that happens, and somebody tells me, dude, I just got this bonus, and it's sick. I'm like, okay, man, tell me. And you know why they'll tell me? It's because they know I won't get jealous. And I'll be like, what? 
we're going fishing. You know, it's like, well, you know, it's like rejoice with those who rejoice. That's not common. Um, but weep with those who weep. Paul goes on and says this, live in harmony with one another. And I love that because you think that looks easy, but the word harmony implies two different notes are being sung. That's what a harmony is. Somebody hits this note, somebody hits this. Both notes are being sung at the same time. What that means is that I am called to live in relationship with other people, but it is not predicated on agreement. It doesn't have to be the same note. I can live with people who are different than me, that don't agree with me. That is uncommon. Can you imagine what America would be like if right now we could do just that line, live in harmony with one another? You know, that's, that's staggering. See, that's why we need to be transformed in the renewing of our minds, if we could start thinking like that. And that's what we're called to. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. This is really dicey, isn't it? Because what's the implication here? Is that there are people who are lowly. Well, I don't believe in America. You know, we should break down all this. No, folks, have you seen me throw a football? I throw like this. And after about five throws, I've thrown my arm out. Because I can't do what you do. You got a beautiful tight spiral and it drops in there perfectly. Some of you are incredibly fast. I'm incredibly slow. Some of you are pick up mathematics and it's brilliant. And I can't, I mean, I'm still looking at the times table wondering who invented this, you know? I'm like, I, who sat down and put all the lines there? You know, I just can't get past that. There, we have different talents and different gifts. We don't all live in the same square footage. We don't all drive the same cars. We don't all have the same jobs or get paid the same amount. And I know it's like, no, the way to fix it is make everybody the same. No, the way to fix it is, is don't be haughty and don't let it stop you from associating with one another. That's the way it should work. Otherwise, those who are highly gifted need to stop being highly gifted because it makes me feel bad. You know, so the Apostle Paul says, I know how to reconcile a square with a circle. Is that those of you who are, uh, you've accomplished something and you're kind of a big deal, that's cool, nothing wrong with being a big deal. You got some money, got some success, got a title, running the city, running the country, um, got some athletic ability, whatever it is, but associate with the lowly. As a matter of fact, just a side note, we have our men's retreat, second plug, uh, for the men's retreat coming up. We had a meeting, and we had all the meeting there, and all of a sudden I looked around the room. I noticed that all the golfers, the real good golfers were in the room. And I said, listen, I, I, I said, I do not want you stacking the teams this year. So I'm not telling you to suck at golf intentionally. That's, no, because that's stupid. It's like, I'm, stop being excellent so the rest of us who aren't excellent feel good about ourselves, that's weird, people. That's not equality. I mean, that's, that's weird. But what I told him, I said, I want all the guys on the winning team from last year, you have to be on other teams without anybody from the previous team. 
So you still be excellent, be a member individually of another group. Paul's talking about that. If you're being successful, don't stop being successful. The problem with capitalism is not this, the idea that, hey, if you work hard, you can make money and you can succeed. The problem is, is that we work hard, we make money, and we leave people behind. Or we no longer associate with people who don't succeed at the level that we're succeeding. That's the problem. So just think about this. Paul said, I want you to associate with the lowly. There are some people, I've been lowly a couple times. When you go through a divorce, you're feeling mighty lowy. Um, when you go through bankruptcy, you feel kind of low. When you're struggling with pain, you feel kind of, this isn't just social strata. This is when anybody's in a place that feels lowly, it's like, don't stop associating with them. It's like, you need to associate. So it's going good for you now. Oh, yeah, he hurt his back. He can't play golf with us anymore. Oh, really? You know what we normally do? We don't call him anymore. Oh, yeah, I remember they used to, we used to be couples. We used to go on trips together. She went through a divorce or her husband died. So what do we do? We don't call her anymore. It's like, Paul's like, no, do not allow your giftedness, your successes, your failures, your pain. Don't let anything keep you from associating with each other. Man, no wonder God wants the kingdom of uh, heaven on earth. Never be wise in your own sight. Quickly, don't believe your own press. Don't believe it. Yeah, I have moments when I'm serious. I will have moments when I, I am like, I don't think anybody else in the world in human history has ever just had the thought that I had. <laughs> I'm serious. I will. I'll be like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. I mean, I'm serious. I've had like biblical moments, uh, philosophical moments. I'm like, dog. And then I'll click on and I'll hear Jordan Peterson. And I'll be like, oh. <laughs> Somebody wrote a book about that 900 years ago. You know, it's like, welcome to earth. Paul says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't repay evil for evil. If possible, so much as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Do your best to get along, even if it means they need to move along. Paul's implying here that there are some people you can't get along with. There are people who are just contentious. And Paul says, as much as to your part, don't wait for your spouse to do 50-50. As much as it's your part, do good. But there are some people that just don't want to get along. Let them go if you have to. But on your part, it's not like, well, I'm going to stay in this marriage once he gets his act together. It's like, no, that's common. What's uncommon is as much as it's in your power, do right as it depends on you. So I'm going to stop right there because this thing just goes on. But I want you to realize that all of this is under the category of do not be conformed to this world. All of it. I'm blown away. I thought it was about porn. I thought it was about the internet. I thought it was about, you know, so many things. God forbid that it be about me thinking about me. Because I always thought you had the problem. Or they had the problem. Or those people have the problem. Man. 
all this is under the category of thinking too highly about yourself. We want everyone else to change to make the relationship to work. And the Apostle Paul says, that's common. I've called you to be different, salt and light in a world that is dark. So today, God is not here to let air out of your balloon. That's not what God's trying to do, let air out of your balloon. What is happening here is God's asking you to let some air out of your balloon. He's asking you to do it. So today, you know that little funny noise you hear when a balloon's like you're letting it out? You know, you can make it that noise when air's coming out of a balloon. That's what God wants to have happen. Is that some of us have highly inflated opinions Some of us have highly inflated feelings. Some of us have highly inflated self-loathing. Some of us have, uh, I mean, we've just inflated ourselves. The Apostle Paul wants us to become uncommon. We need to embrace our weaknesses and our strengths. We need to use both to elevate other people. I do more good by the things that I have not done well when I share them with other people. It's incredible. They'll be like, wait a minute, you went through a divorce? Yeah, yeah, I did. Well, how'd you do this? Boom, all of a sudden, I can begin. But if I hide the fact that I've been through a divorce, then you're over there trying to fill up a balloon or hide your un- you know, deflated balloon because you feel ashamed or you're struggling with porn or you're struggling with alcohol or drugs and, and you got to hide it because everybody at church seems like a big red balloon, just big and happy. And it's like, Paul's like, come on. You need to let some air out of that balloon. Or you're sucking up all the air in the room. So we're about to take communion. Talk about somebody that was willing to let a little air out of the balloon. The Logos, the second person of the Trinity, creator of the universe in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and the word was God and came and dwelt among us it's like what but your balloon was so high yeah a little little air out of it so that you could get some air for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son he left his throne came to earth let a little air out of his balloon. He hungered and thirst when he'd never hungered and thirst before. Experienced difficulty in his life and hardship. Why? So that he could put air in your balloon, the right kind. He died so that you could rise. Now, Paul says, since we have risen with Christ, let us rise together and look for ways that we can help one another grow and rise in Christ. It's beautiful. It works in marriages. It works when you're checking out at the grocery store. When that person at the grocery store is having a bad day and you just moved in there and you let a little air out of your balloon, you let your customer air out, you know, I'm the customer, and you decided to say, hey, they're having a crappy day. I'm glad it was me. I'm safe. If you're going to have a bad day, I'm not going to go caring on you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to retaliate against you. 
I'm going to give you space for your bloom to rest. I'm telling you, I think some of you are being challenged here today. Um, that God's calling you to be a space for somebody else's balloon to rise. And the problem you have with it is that it means you're going to have to little, little bit of your own air out. Jesus did exactly that. Though he was God, Philippians tells us, he did not consider while on earth equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself and took upon himself the form of a servant. Paul says, therefore, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. This is the way that I want you to think. Is it wrong to be rich? Is it wrong to be intelligent? Is it wrong to be gifted? Is it wrong to have skills? Is it wrong to have opportunities? No. No. We all have gifts. But what's uncommon is when we use them to help inflate another person's life. As you take the bread in the incredible, Jesus is like a study in reduction. The logos of God. Incredible concept. And he reduces, reduces, reduces bread and juice. It's like, really? You wouldn't want to be more noble than that? Maybe a little gold? A little carbon fiber, maybe? You want us to put like a Lexus logo on the front of that? I mean, what? No. I want to show them that the God of heaven became bread and wine. Eat and do likewise. Father, thank you so much. And I know this is a lot. And I know for a lot of us, it's it's a big journey. But you love us. You love us. And you didn't hear, you didn't come here to pop our balloons. That would have been a loss. The win is when we choose to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. When we begin to let some of the air out. It's not about our feelings, our rights. So God, today, help us. Help us. We need your Holy Spirit. This is big. This will fix everything. It really will. As much as it's in our power to do, to do good. Thank you. As we take the bread and the cup, we are reminded of your humility in the midst of your strength. You didn't give up power. You redirected your power in a way that saved my soul. Help me, help us do the same.